0: ammunition, whatever it takes to get you on your journey as you push through and grind through Behind the Grind. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Grind. I am your host, Sherrod Shuler, and I'm so glad that you've decided to listen and to tune in again this week to another conversation here on Behind the Grind. Listen, I am excited to bring you this fascinating series that we've got going on here on Behind the Grind. We have been talking to individuals who, in some shape or form, that have worked in prof- with professional athletes, or have worked to build professional athletes, the mindset, right? And many of you may be listening and saying, well, I'm not a professional athlete, but there's so many gems and so many jewels from this conversation of talking to individuals who have raised their game to be successful in the realm of professional sports. Now, last week we were able to share a fascinating conversation with a former NFL running back from the Baltimore Ravens, Prince Daniels Jr., right here on Behind the Grind. That conversation was fascinating. If you haven't had a chance to listen, I strongly encourage you to go back. Uh, Prince Daniels Jr. is not only a former NFL player, but he's also a monk. So he was dropping jewels all day long in that conversation. Well, this week, I'm excited to bring you another fascinating guest. And this week I have an individual who has worked with some of the top superstar athletes in the NBA, right? This individual has worked with not only NBA uh, talent and NBA players, but he has also worked for corporations, top level corporations, and has helped them raise their game. Yes, the guy I'm talking about today is a performance coach and his name is. Alan Stein Jr., and he knows a little something about the grind because he has worked with people behind the scenes to elevate their game. And so, I'm excited to have this conversation, I'm excited to share with you. I know you're in for a treat today. So, without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Alan Stein Jr., right here on Behind the Grind. Let's get it. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Grind. I am your host, Sherrod Shuler, and I'm so excited to bring you this particular episode. I've been waiting uh, for this conversation for a little while now, and so I'm so excited to share. Today in the grind seat, uh, I have an individual that is not a stranger to the grind at all. Uh, My guest has worked with high-performing athletes, uh, on the planet, such as uh, the super NBA superstars, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Kobe Bryant, and many, many more. Um, but he's, he's known as a championship level performance coach. Uh, based off the names that I just mentioned, you can understand why today my guest um he he's a uh, teaches proven strategies he improves organizations or performance he creates effective leadership he increases team um collaboration he builds winning teams is what he does now um, he's worked with world-class uh organizations such as american express pepsi uh starbucks under armor again you name it he's worked with uh, quite a few collegiate Uh, programs and so of course you can see why I'm excited to bring him to the behind the grind program so without further ado let me introduce you to my guest Alan Stein jr. welcome to behind the grind how are you
1: oh I'm fantastic and I I share in your excitement I've been looking forward to this (laughs) since we put it on the schedule and uh, I'm excited to have a fun conversation with you and add value to your listeners
0: Man, I'm so excited. Again, I'm, I'm so uh, glad that you've, you you just, you accepted uh, the opportunity to sit down with us here on Behind the Grind. Uh, this podcast, as you can hear by the title of it, is all about that grind. And so uh, I guess I want to tell you a little bit about that. You know, I, I built this podcast program, um, you know, a, as I was sharing with you, because I have a passion for mission. I have a passion for business. I have a passion for sports. And that sports uh, passion goes back to my days of uh, growing up in the city of Flint. I grew up during the era when we had quite a few athletes during that day. And I watched, I've observed so many uh, athletes go on and to reach collegiate level and professional level. So, you know, I I noticed something. I took note a lot to their grind and what helped them achieve their success. And so from that, I wanted to, uh, I've applied that in my life. And so from that, I wanted to bring a program uh, to help individuals beyond just sports, right? How to achieve and how to achieve at a high level. And a lot of that you can derive from the sports industry. So, uh, so that's why we asked you to come out today and, and to talk to us a little bit about what you do and, and how you've worked with so many uh, fascinating athletes. Uh, So let's start off right off. um, You know, I was doing a little research on you and uh, I noticed that you have worked with uh, Kevin Durant, right? So obviously we want to start there. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that connection. Uh, Tell us a little bit about you, how you got involved. It sounds like this may have been an early connection that you had with him. So just tell us a little bit about that and as well as how you got involved with uh, performance coaching.
1: Well, how I got involved with performance coaching is pretty simple. Um, I Basketball was my first identifiable passion, and I fell in love with the okay. game when I was five years old. And, and I'm so thankful and grateful that here, 40 years later, basketball wow. is still a major pillar in my life, so uh, I'm so thankful that I've been able to make a life and a living Uh, doing something I'm very passionate about, which, again, I I know you understand that fully. Um, (laughs) When the writing was on the wall that I was not going to be able to be a professional player and that when my days of playing in college were over, uh, so were my formal playing days, uh, I decided to pivot and become a basketball strength and conditioning coach, uh, which is a basketball performance coach. And I did that because while I was in high school and in college as a player, I started to develop an equal love for the training side of the game, uh, for uh-huh. improving athleticism, you know, running faster, jumping higher, conditioning, lifting weights. Uh, so I thought when, when I graduated, what could be better than combining my original love of the game of basketball yeah. with my new love of performance training? So I decided to become a basketball performance coach Uh, I moved back home to a suburb of Washington, D.C., which is still where I currently reside and became a a basketball performance coach. And I did that primarily at the high school level uh, because I felt that's where I could make the biggest impact. And I really enjoyed working with that age uh, because I could be a role model to them as well as someone that could help them improve their athleticism. Uh, And I had a chance to meet uh, Kevin Durant when he was 15 years old. Uh, so wow. I actually met him, uh, you know, right around his freshman, sophomore year of high school. And and I watched him play for a couple of minutes. And a, and a few things were really obvious to me. Yeah. Uh, one, <laughs> this kid loves to play the game. He has a really deep passion. I mean, he was playing his backside off, but he was smiling the entire time. So you knew wow. that he loved the game. Wow. Uh, two, he was very fundamentally sound. I mean, his really? his footwork and his shooting mechanics for his age were unparalleled. Three... Kevin had a very high basketball IQ. He really Mm -hmm. understood the game on a cerebral level that would probably rival most coaches. Uh, But four, uh, he was somewhat slight of frame. You know, Kevin was very tall and slender, so it was obvious to me as a performance coach that the only thing that could limit this young man's potential would be lack of strength or power or size. Well, since that was my area of expertise, I figured it was a match made in heaven and i i I really wanted an opportunity uh, to be able to get kevin to that next level and and help him improve his strength uh, and power and explosiveness and it took a little bit of convincing before his mom let him come in for a workout but but once he did uh, i could tell that he not only had the physical traits to be an exceptional player uh, but he also was incredibly high character uh and and was just a terrific young man i mean he's the type of player any coach would want to work with. So having an opportunity to work with him at a young age uh, was a lot of fun for me. It was incredibly rewarding, but then that certainly helped me gain some notoriety
0: and open up some doors, you know, as Kevin continued to climb. Oh, that had to be awesome. I mean, you know, to to be able to say or to see, and and, and I think that takes a special, you know, just talking and discussing this with you, it takes some type of uh, a way to see that ahead of time, you know, so many years ahead of time to see someone uh, rise to the height. Of course, you knew he was going to be a great athlete. That we we can't dis- deny that. But it it sounds based upon how we're talking, you were able to say, okay, you're a great athlete, but well, we can help you take you know take it to your highest level, and you can provide so much value uh, to help him get there. And it shows in this game today. I I think you know you know when we watch athletes, sometimes you know they're pure talented. Uh, you know they can dunk the ball, they can do all these type of things. But as you described, his fundamentals, you can tell that in his game today, that he's just not the guy shooting off of one foot per se. He's he's really sticking to the fundamentals of the game. And so – um, definitely that's got to be something to put your mark uh, somewhat have something a little something to do with that it has to be pretty rewarding
1: well yeah and and that's really all it is <laughs> i i'm very thankful to be a very small puzzle piece on his brilliant mosaic and his body of work and you know mm-hmm. i i firmly believe you know kevin taught me just as much as i'd like to believe i taught him um yeah and so i'm incredibly thankful for that relationship You know, one story that I've not told publicly very often that really clued me in to his character and what type of of great young man he was. uh, There were often times where I'd drive 30 or 40 minutes around the beltway and pick Kevin up before school would start so that we could get a workout in before school. And I I would take him to a kind of a YMCA slash rec center near where he lived in, in the Bowie, Maryland area. And okay. uh, we arrived one morning, and and Kevin, like many teenagers, you know, was not really a morning person. You know, I, okay. I would imagine that his alarm went I off can about three <laughs> seconds before I arrived, and uh, you know, so he was. Kevin's always been a very quiet young man in general, or at least he was when he was younger. And you, you right. add that it's six in the morning and he really didn't have a whole lot to say in the morning. And uh, I remember picking him up one morning and it was rather cold out. And you know he had kind of his hood pulled up and kind of his hat pulled down <laughs> almost over his eyes. And we walked into this YMCA type gym and uh, there was an elderly woman uh, working the front desk. I'm guessing okay. 75, 80 years old. I mean, she was, she was certainly older. Uh, and she said, good morning guys. And Kevin didn't say anything back to her, and he just kept on walking, kind of head down with his his hood on. And she said, "Excuse me, young man." I said, "Good morning." And for that brief moment, I'm thinking, "I don't know how this is going to go." First of How's all, at this, turn at this out? time, I hadn't known Kevin very long, so I didn't, I didn't. He hadn't established <laughs> the credit of what a terrific young man he was. And you right. figure most teenagers in that that instance are most likely gonna lash out or or say something disrespectful, say a curse word, or or worse, just ignore her and keep walking. Uh, And I remember Kevin stopped, and he turned around, and he took his hood off, and he said, I'm sorry, good morning. And then went right into the weight room. And in that moment, I I realized I'm dealing with a very high character kid here, uh, someone that was raised with with wonderful values and a respect for others. Uh, In that moment, I knew that he was going to have a ceiling of being a really 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 good player. Uh, it was wow. obvious he had the athletic tools. Everyone could see mm-hmm. that. But when you can mix athletic tools with the intangibles and things like high character and being respectful, then then there really there there is
0: no ceiling to what you can accomplish. Uh, that's that's a wonderful story and it it speaks to it and you can you can just uh, see, again you, you see it to his game today you you had to know that there there was some character uh built in him early on, and so uh, again that's just a testament uh, of the hard work that he's put into it now um I want to shift a little bit, and of course we're going to come back and talk about kobe but <laughs> as well, but I, I want to shift a little bit you know early on when you're in this type of role. Um, you know, I, I'm imagining it's not the, the glam that we see today. You know, the, the, you know, you're not rolling with the NBA star. You're not rolling with, with all the guys that have everything going on. So these are your early days. Uh, you're getting into performance coaching, as you mentioned earlier. How is this? I mean, you're working with these guys. Um, what, what causes you or what fuels you to continue to pour in? I, I can only imagine you're probably, you know, doing some other things, too, in, in conjunction with this as well. Well, I had my own training business, and
1: my own training business specialized in working with middle school and high school age athletes, really of okay. any sport. Uh, when I okay. first started, you know, I didn't know that I necessarily wanted to just focus on basketball. Uh, so I was okay. I was training players in, in soccer, football, uh, baseball, certainly basketball, a little bit of everything. Uh, okay. But I kept realizing that my main passion was basketball. And while I have okay. a deep and profound respect for athletes of every sport... Because I've been a basketball player my whole life, that was just something that that increased that connectedness. So, you know, I'm thankful that I had an opportunity to to work with a variety of of different sports. Uh, And I really wanted to stay at that high school level, you know, where Mm -hmm. I think my journey is very unique. And I'm so thankful for this. You know, I was able to work with uh, two different programs, high school programs here in the DC area, uh, that have produced dozens of players in the NBA. Uh, One of those is Montrose Mm -hmm. Christian which is where Kevin oh, really? Durant graduated from. Uh, and the other was DeMatha Catholic High School, uh, which is where Victor Oladipo and Markel Fultz and Quinn Cook, yeah. you know, we had a oh, pretty wow. long list of players there as well. And, okay. and really focusing on the high school level, uh, because as I mentioned earlier, it was not only an opportunity to help them with their athleticism and, and to bulletproof their bodies and to, to make sure they can run faster and jump higher, but it was also an opportunity uh, for me to lead these young men and, and be a good role model and, and, and model you know, high character and model respect and, and things like accountability and communication and leadership. So that was always my, my, my number one target. But I was able yeah. to work with you know, dozens of players that are currently in the NBA before they made it to that level. Exactly. So I got to see the snapshot <laughs> of what it takes to climb that mountain and become the best. Well since I had an opportunity to work at those two programs, uh, that, that garnered some uh, opportunities with Nike and with Jordan mm-hmm. Brand and with USA mm-hmm. Basketball. So then I was able to work some events and I was able to see players that had already reached that mountaintop. Kobe okay. Bryant, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Steve Nash. Um, wow. you know, So I was able to see really the before and the after picture. What does it take to climb the ladder and become the best you can be? And what does it take that once you've reached that to maintain and sustain that level of excellence yeah. and continue yeah. to get better? So I'm so thankful that I've seen both sides of the coin uh, of, of what that takes. And, and both different vantage points uh, have really added to my perspective.
0: I, I think that's pretty dope. If you don't mind me saying that, that's pretty dope. Because you know, again, we watch the you know we watch the NBA games, we watch the collegiate games. We see them out there performing, sweating. But you actually saw them, uh, as I would call it, behind the grind per se. You you saw them behind the scenes. You saw them putting in the work. You could probably tell which kid uh, was putting in that work, who was touching the line, who wasn't touching the line um and, and so on and so forth and, and and probably based off the names that you just mentioned I imagine a lot of them um you know they may have needed some coaching but I imagine they stood out even in the practice could you could you contest to that oh, or, or behind absolutely. The-
1: and 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 the thing is, is they didn't just stand out because of the physical they stood right. out because of the intangibles that that you just mentioned you know those right. guys were tremendous leaders uh, they were great communicators. They cared about their teammates. Yeah. You know, they were all yeah. gym rats. You know, they they were the first one to the gym, and you'd <laughs> have to kick them out of the gym at the end of the night. So yeah, it was that blend of the physical, the mental, and the emotional is when you say, yeah. okay, this this kid's got a chance. Uh, but even with that, there's mm-hmm. no guarantee. You know, I would all never right. do it because I would never disparage a young man. But uh, I could give you a pretty long list of players that at the yeah. high school level looked like. They would be mm. NBA All-Stars and they never quite were able to get mm-hmm. to that level um, because they, they didn't make good decisions in their lives or they mm. didn't surround themselves with people that would uplift them and empower them, but instead right. they surrounded themselves with people that were constantly you know, undercutting them and undermining them. So you know, it, just because someone showed that type of promise at a young age, uh, there mm-hmm. was certainly no guarantee. They still had to put in the work consistently, make great yeah. decisions, and surround themselves with good people to have that chance. And, and the names that we've just mentioned, like a KD or a Victorola Depot,
0: certainly were able to do that. Wow. <laughs> That's got to be awesome. Now, I read somewhere also, uh, or I think I saw somewhere also, you worked, as we mentioned earlier, with Steph Curry, uh, or, or you, you witnessed him as well. What was that like?
1: Yeah. So I had two different opportunities where I got a chance to work with Steph. Uh, One was at at the uh, Kobe Bryant Skills Academy in 2007. Uh, Steph Mm -hmm. was actually a college counselor at that event. Uh, He had just finished (laughs) his freshman year at Davidson. So this was really before he blew up on the the national or international stage. Uh, This was before he became the Steph Curry that we all know now. Um, So seeing him in that element, uh, was really was really special because we could tell all of us coaches could tell there was something very unique about this young man uh, that his right. approach and his work ethic and his mindset and his routines, were just unparalleled Uh, and then right before the draft uh, he signed at that time he was with Octagon an agency uh, that's located near here in the DC area Uh, so his uh, agent brought him here uh, for a few weeks to do some pre-draft training and I had a chance to work with him again um, which was really awesome I mean at that point we had known each other uh, and and, you know he's like KD uh, is such an easy person to work with because He's very highly intrinsically motivated. Um, he's incredibly humble and coachable. You know, he's there for one reason and one reason only, and that's to get better. You know, so he, a, a
0: player like that is an absolute coach's dream. Yeah, I mean, even just you know talking about it, I mean, we you know we talk about the size and the and the the, the things that KD had. But we look at, you know, when you take me back to Davison, I'm just imagining this little small guy. I mean, I, I, obviously he's bigger than me, but this small guy that uh, really put in the work to really do it, and we're seeing it today, seeing it on display, and he's just making everyone amazed at what he does. And so again, it's, it's this relationship that you have, some type of way you're still able to see these individuals um, before they've become um, what, what the rest of the world has seen. Oh, now sure. um you know we won't spend we won't spend all day uh, talking about these players but of course like I said I I'm a guy that loves basketball and 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 I grew up watching all these guys and so uh it's fascinating some of my listeners uh may enjoy it some may not but we'll get to some business things here in a minute but uh you know the the one conversation we do want to talk about um is the the late Kobe Bryant. Um I know you 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 you've had some interaction and some 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 dealings with him as well. Can you share with my listeners a little bit about how, um, how that came about and, and what that was like? Most certainly. Well, the, the first time I met him was at that
1: 2007 Kobe Bryant Skills Academy. Uh, so wow. what Nike decided to do to kind of change the landscape of summer basketball uh, was they wanted to hold some some flagship events uh, that went back to teaching the basics and the fundamentals of the game. And they figured mm-hmm. the best way to do that was to get their, their, their highly touted players and the best players in the NBA that were under Nike contract to be kind of the uh the main focal point of each of those camps to help teach those those basics and those fundamentals you know i mean and, and in 2007 i mean kobe was at the height of his career i mean he was the best player in the game uh, so it was oh, certainly yeah. <laughs> an honor for me to be able to get to work that event and you know i got to see firsthand um in a private workout that he did as well as the way that he interacted with the campers you know yeah. just what made him so great and kind of got a sneak peek of that mamba mentality which is really Uh a concept of I'm gonna drill down on the fundamentals and work towards mastery. And I'm going to outwork everyone during the unseen hours so that I deserve the right to be the best player to have ever played the game. And that was Uh his approach. And you know, when I got to watch him work out, uh, he did very basic drills. There was nothing flashy about what he was doing, uh, but he did them with unparalleled focus and he did them with unparalleled precision and effort and intensity. You know, uh, whatever he was doing, he was all there in mind, body, and spirit, uh, and he gave it his best and he 's someone that really understood that the way you become exceptional in anything is by mastering the fundamentals and the basics so he never skipped yeah. steps uh, he never you know got that shiny object syndrome where he was trying to yeah. do things that <laughs> that weren't going to actually make him a better player uh, he stuck right. to the 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 nuts and bolts of what it takes to be excellent and it was it was really amazing to see and, and that's one point that i certainly want to make and that's why i love the title uh, of your show you know whether it's kobe or steph or kd uh, mm-hmm. it's hard for most people to comprehend how much work they put mm-hmm. in during those unseen hours you know that if yeah uh, i don't know if golden state's playing tonight at the time of this recording but if they play tonight sure. and steph drops 60 points most of the world is just you know, mind blown by that. But when yeah. you see the type of work that he puts in in the unseen hours, right. it becomes less surprising and it actually becomes more expected. I mean, you're talking about a young <laughs> man that has made millions of shots in empty gyms when no one else is watching. So why would you be surprised when he can drop 60 when all the lights are on and the cameras are on and the cheerleaders are dancing? I mean, he <laughs> that that's easy. what he has trained himself to do. And, the level that these guys perform and the sheer amount of effort that they put forth during the Unseen Hours uh, is, is really mind-boggling. And, and I try to take that as same approach in everything that I do. You know, if I'm yeah. preparing for a keynote to give, I want to make sure that I've done everything in my power to be as fully prepared as I can. So that when the, mm-hmm. the lights come on and the microphones are hot, uh, I can just go there and be
0: present and have fun. That's awesome. So th- that's a good segue to where I want to go now. I, I definitely want to talk about that. You are, uh, I see you blazing it blazing it out there on the speaking circuit, right? And you're speaking and, and, and organizations are bringing you in, um, you know, and, and it's to talk to their, their, their organizations about raising uh, the raising their game. I believe that's the name of your book, Raising Their Game. And and you're talking through all of that. Uh, how do you translate now? So how do we translate that sports uh, mindset and, and talk to individuals who may have no clue what sports is like? You know, they may not have a clue about who uh, Kobe Bryant is. I don't know who wouldn't. But let's just say they don't. How do you uh, translate that in your your speaking career? Well, what I do is I take the principles that have the highest utility. So it's it's really
1: principle-based. So uh, while I think people will have a better appreciation for my programs if they do know a little bit about sport or have some experience in sport, but it's definitely not a requirement. My goal is to uh-huh. say, all right, what are the mindsets and the disciplines and the strategies and the principles that we can learn from sport that also apply to business. And, and that's mm-hmm. really my goal You know, is, is to translate those. I like that you chose that word um, and be able to translate those in a way that say, hey, even if you don't like basketball, you don't watch basketball, if you've never heard of Kobe Bryant, you can right. still live your life by these principles and these types of strategies and disciplines will help you improve your business. That's what's most important. You know, When it comes to, to speaking, uh, what's most important is the audience. You know, yeah. it's not about me; it's about them. So I have to figure out what would be most valuable to them. Uh, same thing with this podcast. I mean, I'm I'm honored mm-hmm. to be on your show, and my only goal is to deliver as much value to you and your audience as I can. That's all that matters uh, okay. to me. You know, I'm not here to talk about what I want to talk about. I'm here to talk about whatever you will find most helpful. And and I take that same approach, uh, you know, in speaking. And and honestly, that's the approach most good businesses take. Uh, when running their businesses is where you know they listen to their clients and their customers and they say okay how can we be of best service to them what are their pain points Mm -hmm. and their challenges you know as a business what problem do we solve because ultimately Mm -hmm. that's what a business is a business (laughs) solves a problem for you now you know if if they're in the entertainment world the problem they're solving is boredom Uh, You know, their problem is, you know, but but every business ultimately is solving a problem problem. uh, for Mm -hmm. a specific group. Yeah. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's the goal. So yeah, I love taking those strategies and principles and showing folks how to apply them. And if they do have an appreciation for sport, and in particular, if they do follow and love basketball,
0: then it just makes my job that much easier. Yeah. It makes it so much sweet. I, I can imagine, but I, I'm sure you've gone somewhere where someone said, well, I'm not sure who that guy is. And <laughs> oh,
1: absolutely not. I don't know that I've ever come across someone that hadn't heard of Kobe Bryant. That's but, true. Yeah. Certainly some, of, some of the others. Uh, yeah. And, and I let them know that that's okay. That, you know, mm-hmm. that these principles apply across the board and they have such high utility. And that's why I've always believed that sport is a tremendous platform for teaching life lessons. You know, I'm in my mid forties. I have three young children uh, and I encourage them to play a variety of different sports for those same reasons that I know sports will help reveal their character and will, will help uh, teach life lessons and, and important concepts that are very hard to learn anywhere else, you know, and as Mm -hmm. a parent, I want my children learning from a variety of different uh, resources and and platforms and, and sports is one of the top ones for sure.
0: Oh, definitely. I think it—it it definitely has built character. Like I said, I, that's why I baked it into my podcast to—to uh, to this day. Sports had definitely played a big part of it. Of course, you know, um, you know it. it You may not go professional or you may not play it in college but those lessons and those principles that you learn and you watch winners individuals around you kind of like you described i've like i said i've watched individuals who 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 knew how to win and so i've learned how to in some cases apply that same approach in in the in the sales environment right or in the uh, leadership environment uh, because it's necessary and so with that being said let's let's speak to to that Um, you know if you if you're if you're a leader out there And you have salespeople. How how do you motivate salespeople? You know, I know it's similar to uh, the sports world. How would you go about approach motivating the sales force if you got a huge target to reach, uh, a huge thing to, to achieve? Well, first and foremost, is to get clarity
1: on what it is that you're trying to achieve. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I one of the reasons I love working with sales groups and sales professionals and sales organizations is they tend to resonate with that athlete mindset. You know, wow. uh, athletes and coaches are very numbers-driven and results-driven, you know? There I mean, the is, goal yeah. of any specific game is to score more points than your opponent. And your goal is to <laughs> win as line. many games as you can every season. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the whole point. Uh, well, same thing with sales. So I can appreciate that someone kind of has that North Star of what it is mm-hmm. that they're trying to achieve. Uh, and let's just say as a sales professional, you know, your goal is to sell a hundred units a month, you know, that's your target, that's your quota. Uh, So it's important to have that clarity of vision. However, what I highly encourage folks to do is once you have that North star, then shift your focus to the process and to Mm -hmm. the, the the micro steps that it will take to increase the chance of, in this case, being able to sell a hundred units. So don't be so fixated on the hundred focus on what you need to do today to get closer to that hundred you know there's an acronym we use called win win and that stands oh. for what's important now what's, what's important, important now? now i can't be fix it you know it's it's the the third day of the month i can't be worried about selling 100 units all i need to do is focus on what i can control today you know mm. who, who are some prospects that i could reach out to today who are customers or clients that i can forge a stronger relationship today who are the people out there that have the problem that my product will actually solve for them that I can establish a relationship. How can I focus on that today? And if, if every single day you wake up and you focus on the process and you focus on what's right in front of you and you focus on what you can control, then over time your results tend to take care of themselves. You know, it's the same thing in basketball. You know, the yeah. last thing I want a player thinking about in the first quarter of a game is are we going to win or lose? <laughs> like, don't worry about that. That's in the future. <laughs> What I want you to focus on right now, if you're on offense, is taking the highest percentage shot possible that we can get as a team. That's the only thing in the world you have to worry about right now when we have the ball, is what's the highest percentage shot we can get as a team. And then when we're on defense, the only thing I want you thinking about is what's the lowest percentage shot we can force our opponent to take. Let's not give them any freebies or easy ones, let's make them take a really hard shot.
0: and Let's I tell you what, I've been it, yeah. around
1: the game of basketball <laughs> my entire life. If you consistently take high percentage shots and your opponent consistently takes low percentage shots, the winning will take care of itself. It and it's will. the same thing with sales. If, if you focus every day on finding people that your product will solve a problem for and developing a relationship with them and showing them that you care about them as a human being first and as a potential customer second, you'll smash every quota that's ever put in front of you. So it's it's all about focusing
0: on the that process. Oh, that's very good. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I, I may have some listeners out here that may not be in the sales world, but they may be more like an entrepreneur, you know what I mean? Or, or self. let's just call it a self-employed individual, right? They, they eat, yeah. uh, you know, based upon that, they may not have anybody else that they're responsible for, but, uh, you know, they're solely on their own. And you know, obviously, we just hit COVID. Different things happen, and 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 you know, life happens. Uh, how do you uh, motivate, or how do you inspire individuals, or even yourself? Like maybe you can share, you know, maybe your early on experience. But how do you bounce back when you you know, in this grunt of the grind of entrepreneurship, and and and, and some months are better than others, and you're early on into your 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 career of of this. Well, well, two things that I like to think about. One. Uh... I understand the concept
1: of motivation, and I think a requisite level of motivation is important. And this may surprise you based on the fact people call me a motivational speaker, even though that's not what I call myself. <laughs> but I don't think motivation yeah. is as important as discipline. Uh, I think at the end of the okay. day, discipline trumps motivation. Uh, and here's why uh, mm-hmm. motivation okay. is fleeting. You know, uh, mm-hmm. nobody feels motivated every moment of every day, um, but we true. can still exercise and choose to be disciplined uh, as consistently as, as we choose to do so and you can be disciplined in moments where you're not feeling very motivated. Uh, perfect mm-hmm. example, you know, right now when, when, whenever we conclude this recording, uh, I need to get a workout in. Uh, to be quite mm-hmm. honest with you, I don't really <laughs> feel like getting a workout in. I, I really, I don't feel that motivated to get it in today, but I will because I'm disciplined and I'm going to choose the discipline of still getting a workout in, even when I don't feel highly motivated. Uh, And what usually happens when I exercise that discipline and I choose to be disciplined and I just get moving a little bit, then you start to create some momentum and you start to create some motivation. Many people get it backwards and think I need to be motivated in order to act. And that's not, that's not the case. If you start to act, the motivation will usually follow very quickly thereafter. So uh, I would focus more on being disciplined and not worry so much about being motivated. And, and that is so true oh, in this good. past year where we've all been faced you know, with the challenge and adversity of a global pandemic. Uh, I can tell you, generally speaking, I'm a pretty motivated person compared to right. the average. But there have been plenty of times in this past year where, where I have lacked significant motivation where I felt like I'm in a little bit of a lull and a little stagnant for weeks and sometimes months on end. And the only thing that allows me to continue to move forward and make progress uh, is discipline. So uh, to me, that's what's most important. And with that, you know, anyone listening to this, give yourself some grace and some compassion. You know, uh, when you aren't feeling very motivated, don't beat yourself up over that. You know, don't think that there's anything wrong with you because you don't feel motivated. Uh, The highest performers in the world aren't always motivated, but they still do what they need to do when they need to do it because they choose to be disciplined in that moment. So anyone can choose to be disciplined. Uh, I think one of the big mistakes people make is they say statements like, well, I'm just not a disciplined person or, you know, I I, I can't do that. I'm not disciplined. Uh, It's not a permanent uh, trait like brown hair. You know, you are disciplined (laughs) any moment that you choose to be disciplined. That's good. So you may say in the past, I've not chosen to be very disciplined in these areas of my life. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But don't say you are not disciplined because you can choose and flip that
0: switch whenever you want to. Yeah, we definitely. That's good. I'm glad you brought that out. We definitely can make the choice. And and that that's part of the grind, right? Making that choice to do and to get up and to do, like you said, uh working out or 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 doing that uh paperwork that you don't like to deal with, you know. Doing those things really actually pay off it's pay off on the on the other end once you once you go through it. And so that's really good. Now, um to to a younger uh listener, you know, someone who is looking, you know, obviously they they see the world ahead of them and they see some great things going on. Um, and and they're anxious to get there, right? How, uh, what what advice would you provide to an individual, you know, considering your career, right? Uh, What advice would you provide to some young listener that uh, has the world ahead of them and they they have some big dreams, uh, may get frustrated, you know, because of other things that may come up. What advice are you sharing? Well, there's two things. And one,
1: this is probably the best piece of advice I've ever been given, and I'm so thankful I was given it when I was really, really young and that is find what you love to do where your passions lie find what you're pretty good at where you're naturally talented and then find where those two things intersect Mm. and wherever those two things intersect that's going to be your strength zone and the more time you can operate in your strength zone the happier and the more fulfilled and significant you'll feel now don't get that confused with comfort zone uh, because i'm a huge believer in stepping out of your comfort zone in order to make improvement but as yeah. far as finding your, your calling or your purpose, if you will, your why is finding what yeah. you love and what you're pretty good at and then find where those two things intersect. Now, if you have things that you love but you're not very good at them, those can still be <laughs> hobbies. Those are still things you can pursue and should enjoy. Uh, but as far as how you'll eventually build a living and build a life, uh, I recommend you find that intersection. And, and the other piece of advice that I, I hope fi- folks find really helpful You know, I I know comparing aspects of life to a GPS is getting a little bit cliche and played out, but there's so much truth behind it. And and here's what I want folks to take away. When you're young, there's really only two things that you need to know. Mm -hmm. You need to know where you are at the moment, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm self-awareness, and you need to know where it is that you're trying to go. Where's that Mm -hmm. North Star? And those are the only two pieces of information you need for a GPS. The GPS needs to know where are you at this moment and where are you trying to go? Yeah, what address are you now? And what address are you trying to go? And That's here's good. the thing, your GPS doesn't care where you were two days ago. Your <laughs> GPS doesn't even care where you were five minutes ago. Your GPS only cares where you are right now at this moment. And, mm. and while we should all learn from the past, it's so important that we don't get stuck in the past. So don't worry about where you were two years ago. Focus on where you are right now and where you want to go. And then as we discussed earlier, then the whole key to life is the journey in between those two points, where you are and where you're trying to go, who you are and who you're trying to become. Those are the only two things that matter. And the whole point of life is filling in the in-between and figuring out what is the process and the system for getting there. And I'm going to tell you now that it's not going to be a straight line. I'm going to tell you now you are going to miss some turns uh you are going to make some mistakes you're going to get off on some exits that you shouldn't have got off on but that's part of the journey yes. but here's another thing that makes me laugh about gps so if if you're following gps and you're driving around atlanta and you happen to miss a turn what does your gps say to you Shrad? oh it, it, it tries to reroute you it tries to get it you says back re-routing. On yeah that's all that it says it just says and it usually says it in a very sterile voice <laughs> Rerouting. It, does. it, it, it doesn't it doesn't say Sharad you're an idiot it doesn't say Sharad you're never going to get there because you missed the turn it doesn't turn itself off it just says rerouting rerouting and that's really how we need to approach it so just that's know good. you're going to make mistakes and when you make a mistake just reroute don't beat yourself up over it you know don't compound mistakes and make them worse just reroute and then when you make another mistake just reroute again and R- reroute again. just look at it as information don't yeah. attach emotion to it and, and make it worse by saying well well I'm not good enough I'm not smart enough I'm never gonna get there yes you will it might take you a little bit longer because you missed the turn but eventually <laughs> you'll get there so uh, as, as much as we're all just kind of numb to using GPS, those are mm-hmm. two really good lessons we can pull from it. And, and I try to use those as, as guides in my life because I'm still trying to navigate the streets of my life to get yeah. to that end point as well. And, and the cool part is one of the big differences is uh, in GPS, you actually hope you arrive at your destination. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I don't ever want to arrive. It's the journey. Oh. That's the fun part. You know, you I go. hope I never become the person I'm capable of because then it's over you know even (laughs) on my deathbed i hope i'm a few inches away from complete self-actualization
0: because that's that's what life is life is in between those two different points yeah Oh, that's spot on, and I and what you just added there, I think it's perfect for uh, the young audience because you know they're in, we have a generation now that you know they're striving for perfection, and and if they don't get it right that first time, it does devastate them, it it, and it does crush their hopes and different things like that. But uh, I think me and you kind of come from that area where we understand that it happens, and, and you just get back up and get get it, it reroutes, and you can get back up on on it and and, and work it out. You know, we, we yeah, we can and it part of what's helped me tremendously is uh, I, I threw out the need for perfection
1: a long time ago. Mm. Uh, I'm not perfect. I'm far Mm -hmm. from perfect. I'm just as fallible as everybody else out there. And that's not what what motivates me anyway or inspires me. Uh, I'm Ah, much more interested in progress than I am in perfection. ah, Uh, I don't actually believe there is such a thing as perfection. I mean, even Mm -hmm. take the game of basketball. In the history of the game of basketball, there has never been a perfect game played. Ah, I mean, think about that. A perfect game played would mean no one misses a shot. And you never turn the ball over. <laughs> like you look at something, that's never happened. So why are we aiming for something that is unattainable? Instead, let's focus much more on progress. <clears throat> Excuse me. Am I better today than I was yesterday? Am I moving towards my goal? Am I, am I rerouting constantly and getting closer to that North star? That's all that really matters. So don't worry about where you are at the moment or how perfect or imperfect you are. Just focus on the direction you're going. And as long as you're heading in the right direction and you're heading towards the person you want to become and the goals that you want to achieve, then, then, then there should be a sense of pride in that.
0: Ah, oh, this is good. Well, this will be my last business question and we'll round up this great conversation. But I want you to talk to the leaders now, You know, leaders who may be starting a team uh, uh, or leading a team, or they may be new to that team. Uh, how do they, You know, because it seems like you know how to find talent, how do you build or, or put together the right team uh, for your success? Well, I'll kind of walk you through a, a,
1: a few steps that leaders need to, to highly consider. And they may use okay. slightly different terminology than sure. I use, but for the most part, you need to have clarity of vision and purpose. So you need to know, okay. you know, if we're talking about a business, why does this business exist? Who are we and what are we here to do and who are we here to do it for? You need to know that. And once you have that clarity, and in that case, that would be kind of your North Star, that would be the mm-hmm. end result that you put in the GPS. Uh, then what you need to do is you need to create or uh, create standards of excellence that everyone on the team will need to live up to in order to increase the chance of that happening. So if our goal is to do this and provide this and we're doing it for this group, what are the standards that all of us need to live up to in order to increase the chance of that happening? Uh, And once you've created those standards, then you need to learn how to hold each other accountable to those standards. Mm -hmm. So if you and I are teammates, Sherrod, and and you're not quite living up to one of those standards, uh, you step out of bounds, if you will, I need to care enough about you and I need to care enough about our team that I'm going to hold you accountable to that. And I'm not going to, it's not going to be a personal attack. You know, I'm not going to talk at you. I'm going to talk with you and let you know yeah. that, Hey, we've both agreed to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And in order to have a chance of reaching that goal, we all need to be swimming in the same direction. So I'm here to, to help you and to support you and to coach you into doing what's right. And the level at which you can do that is ultimately the culture that you create. You know, your culture is really uh, the marrying of your beliefs and your behaviors. You know, this is what we believe as a team and an organization. And this is how everybody acts on a daily basis. And when those things are in alignment and they're in alignment with your values and your core beliefs and your mission, now you've got everybody going in the right direction. And that is when the the scoreboard, as they say, will take care of itself. That's when you'll become a very successful business when all of that Is in alignment and then the goal is to be able to find and attract the people that will fit perfectly into that culture you know attract the type of people that want to be held to a high level of accountability you know people that feel aligned you know with your mission and your vision and once you've attracted them and brought them on then it's your job to pour into them and to develop them uh, so that they want to stay and they want to continue to be a part of of your organization and when you can do all of that and create that perfect storm, th- then you've got a winning team. If you're in basketball, or you've got a winning team if you're in business. And uh, just to make sure I'm crystal clear, even though everything I just laid out is incredibly uh-huh. basic, there's uh-huh. nothing easy about any of that. No. <laughs> if, if, if that stuff was easy, every business in the world would have a great culture. But it's not. It's hard to be the gatekeeper of that type of culture. So you know th-
0: these these things are basic. But they're not easy by any means oh man well thank you for sharing of course you know i'm trying to as you can see i was trying to get all i could get in uh, on this this short conversation um so of course you know you you you, i'm sure you expound so much more in, in in so much in the different organizations you go to and the different individuals that you serve so with that being said uh for my listeners um um if what is the best way to uh continue to this conversation, if they wanna follow you, to connect to you, um, and and to to learn more about the programs that you offer. Well, I have two different websites. I have allensteinjr.com,
1: which is basically everything that I do from a speaking standpoint. And then I have uh, strongerteam.com, which is where I offer coaching services. I've got an online course, uh, book, podcast, and things like that. And then I'm very easily found and highly accessible on social media. So at allensteinjr.com on Instagram or LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook. Uh, If anyone wants to continue this discussion or has questions, uh, I love engaging with folks on there. So try to be very accessible and easily found uh, everywhere online and uh, really aim for a high standard of getting back to people very promptly when they reach out.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I just want to let you know, you're definitely world-class and just glad that uh, we had you on our program today. Uh, Behind the Grind was definitely blessed uh, with, with the, the nuggets that you dropped here today they were definitely rich and uh, th- as you said these are things that we can translate both into life sports all of that it is principles that we definitely can use in those areas so thank you so much for sharing but before we actually get out of here I just have a, a couple of, now you might get in trouble with these questions but a couple of yes, fun no questions that I want to ask you <laughs> so but we'll go real quick here uh, bird or magic. I'm going to lean towards Larry Bird.
1: Uh, it, it, that one really is a coin flip, you know. I, I think yeah. Magic's arguably the best point guard to ever play the game, uh, mm-hmm. but Bird was just a stone cold assassin. So it, it really just comes down to you know what you value most. Uh, I don't think young kids today understand how good Larry Bird was, uh, and mm-hmm. we also have to remember. I mean, he was kind of cut down in his prime with that back injury. You know, I yeah. mean, he was he was basically the perennial MVP of the league. When he started having massive back problems, you know, if, if you could take Larry Bird's career and extrapolate uh-huh. it over the course that somebody like LeBron has played, uh, yeah. we'd see numbers that were just uh, awe-inspiring. All right. I've got a couple more. Sure. Steph, Steph or Isaiah? <laughs> as far as, I mean, I, I'm going to go Steph Curry all the way. Just pick, yeah. Okay. And I, do, I think Stephen Curry will go down in history as the greatest shooter the game's ever seen. Uh, And I know that that shooting is only one aspect of being a well-rounded player, but but I think uh, he's able to do things from a playmaking and shooting standpoint that are just so next
0: level, it's unbelievable. And he's doing it against the best players in the world. Awesome, awesome. Well, I I won't share no more. I have a couple of questions, but I don't want you to get in in, in any troubles, any troubles, right? <laughs> no, you, you <laughs> name asked away. I don't, I don't get in any trouble. I I love these questions. You can fire away. <laughs> no, but I, that we'll end it on that note. But uh, that was definitely fun. Definitely, uh, just you know, going. Definitely, as you described, Larry. That is definitely true. Um, by far, uh, you know. I know we talk about LeBron today, but like you just described, if Larry had, you know, some of that. Uh, things that we got going on today he, his career could have gone as far as his as well so oh yeah well here's one final point that we'll,
1: we'll put a bow tie on everything and, and I love okay. those types of questions because there's so much fun for for just you know discussion and debate <laughs> yeah. um, but but one thing we have to realize especially as a society that when you ask someone kind of a binary question like that if I mm-hmm. say Larry Bird I certainly mm-hmm. hope that in no way diminishes the greatness of a Magic Johnson. Come on. I mean, yeah, that's true. You know, Magic yeah. Johnson is, is one of the best winners of all yes. of team sports, you know, yes. and, and just was just so unbelievable. And, and the reason yes. I bring that up is, you know, uh, everybody's always talking about the Jordan versus LeBron debate yeah. and which one's better, Jordan or LeBron. And, you know, no matter where you fall on that spectrum or, or who you vote for, you know, I, yeah. because of my age, I tend to lean a little bit towards Jordan of course I don't ever want to take anything away or diminish uh, The amazingness of LeBron James uh, the astounding career and longevity that he's had I mean you're talking about a guy that's closing in on two decades of playing at the highest level and He's still the king. I mean until somebody takes that crown from him He is the best player in the game and having done this for 20 years his ability to sustain excellence is remarkable. And, and we could put Tom Brady in that exact same conversation, you know? So <laughs> when you, when you lean in one direction based on these preferences,
0: yeah. don't ever take that as the other person, just that there's anything bad about them. Cause that's so not true. I'm glad you shared that. I mean, it's so true that nowadays we are into, you know, this black or white, right? You know, this way, that way. And and so you're so much right. It doesn't take away, I have so much appreciation for Bird and Magic, although I grew up in Detroit watching the Bad Boys and so forth. Of course. Forth, so. Of course, I'm gonna go with Isaiah, but, <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> but these guys definitely definitely uh, take you know have uh, such a, a great careers and, and different things of that nature. So appreciate and, and you you will know be up. fun. So I, I
1: mentioned I've got three young kids. So I have I have twin mm-hmm. sons that will be 11 next week, and I have a daughter that'll be nine in June. And mm-hmm. you know, uh, assuming I'm still around 20 or 30 <laughs> years from now, which I hope that mm-hmm. I am, and oh, my will. children yeah. are now my age. It'll be yeah. fascinating to see what conversations we're having then, because yeah, at true. some point someone's going to come along and we're going to say, "All right, is this guy as good as LeBron?" Or yes. let, you know, we're going to be making new comparisons because yes. all sorts of young athletes will matriculate up and become great players. So it's it's going to be fun because you know when I yeah. I look back at my parents. Uh, day and age, you know, it was, you know, Lou Alcindor or Wilt Chamberlain or Bill Russell, you know, and then that went to the bird and the magic and the Isaiahs. And then that goes to kind of the, the Jordan era. And then it's the LeBron era. It'll be so fun to see what the next era produces and, and who we have this conversation about, you know, in 30 years from now.
0: Uh, it will be awesome. I mean, we're see, we're seeing the rookie now, uh, Mello, uh, balling out right now. So there's different people that are still coming up on the scene. Don't we're anticipating what his career can blow up into. Uh, it's it's exciting <laughs> to see how they how they you know mature on. So, with, uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here,
1: Alan? No, you know, one thing I wanna say just from an, an evolution standpoint that I was completely wrong about Melo, That that I did uh, not think he was going to be going back three or four years ago, I really? did not think he was I did not think he was gonna be better than Lonzo. And I definitely really? didn't think he was gonna oh no, not not when I watched him play in high school. I thought okay. I thought Lonzo was the best player of the three by far. Um, oh, wow. so and, and all I can say with that is, you know, part of of going through this journey and meandering is, is the ability to reroute. And this is one where I, I absolutely have to eat my words from several years ago. Uh, I did not think he was going to be, uh, as good as he's turned out to be. And he is, he is really an exceptional player. I mean, his, his basketball IQ and his ability to play make is, is remarkable. And I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch for a lot of years to come.
0: Oh, awesome yeah that, that's interesting you say that for someone who definitely pays attention you see you've seen people at, at different stages and you 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 had to admit that you might have missed that one that that's oh that's I, interesting. I definitely <laughs> missed that one all right well we truly enjoyed this conversation this is right up my alley for most of you who are listening i hope you enjoyed the sports talk and and uh, hopefully you enjoyed the tips to life and how uh, we can take advantage of Uh, learning how to achieve our highest and perform our highest um, in our life and it's not just about motivation of course it's more about the disciplines is what we learned today so uh, with that being said I will see you on the next time here on Behind the Grind all right All right, fam, I know you truly enjoyed that conversation and I truly enjoyed sharing this conversation with you. It was simply fire. Listen, if you enjoy these types of conversations or if this is your first time listening to Behind the Grind and you have not subscribed yet, I need you to do me a favor right now stop what you're doing and make sure you subscribe to this podcast behind the grind yo we're out here on the grind and we're really trying to build something special here and so by you subscribing and getting those notifications it would truly help us also help us to share the word with that being said, Oscar is going to ask you a huge favor. If you've been rocking with us for a while and you like how it's set up here and you like what we're doing. I need a huge favor for you. You know, in this podcast world, it's a little different than most world. It really is predicated upon the feedback that we receive from individuals like you, those who actually listen to the program. If you listen to this program on a week to week basis, I need you to do me a huge favor. Or if you've listened to it for a few times and you enjoyed it. Please go ahead and leave us a comment, specifically on Apple Podcasts. Just go ahead and give us that five stars. If you believe it's a five star, go ahead and give us that five star and also drop a comment. A simple great job, great do, whatever it is that you want to leave. Or if you just want to give us true feedback, leave it there on that review. You know, it will help us share the word. It will give us feedback as well on how to improve this program. But but most of all, it will help others find us here on Behind the Grind. So I hope this resonates with you and I hope you can do me that huge favor. I would truly appreciate you. It will truly help us uh, share the word to so many more people. A positive podcast here on Behind the Grind.